Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Let's go! It's the most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome to the Cover 3 Podcast. (laughs) Chip is probably still somewhere in the media box eating that delicious press box food in SoFi Stadium. I'm Bud Elliott in the hotel room here at the coaching convention. That's Tom Fermanelli deep in the bunker in Chicago. <laughs> we just watched, honestly, like we could have done this at halftime. There's probably broadcast regulations against that. Shout out Silverstein for forcing Tom Fermanelli to write about this game, which, you know, it, it's his job, so I, I get it. But, Tom, let's get right into this thing. Appreciate it. If you guys are in the chat, like and subscribe to the channel. It's been a blast to be with all of y'all this entire college football season. 25,000 subscribers. All right. Uh... If you had a second screen experience, what at what point did you put on like Yellowstone or 1883 or 1923 or something on, of course, Paramount Plus? I mean, I think the biggest takeaway from tonight is how bad is DeMar DeRozan's injury and how will it impact the Chicago Bulls in their pursuit of an NBA playoff spot? Because that was something that really caught my attention early in this game. Um, First of all, that was an awesome intro. I feel like you put in more effort on that than TCU really did in the national title game because oh my god was that a blowout like we talked about this game could be a blowout i did not think that this was the kind of blowout we would have like there was there was a uh there was an odds boost on a sports book that i won't name because they don't sponsor us but it's a 50 percent odds boost i put in a bet on this book for georgia to win by 19 to 24 points, got it boosted to plus 750. I was like, all right, if it's a blowout, that makes about sense, right? <sighs> Missed it by about 20 points. <laughs> Hell, 30 points. Gosh, just a utter domination for, for Georgia. Uh, you want to feel old, by the way. I mentioned like the last domination like that was probably uh, Florida losing to Nebraska. And producer Jordan told me that was the year he was born. So now mm-hmm. I feel like I am a million years old um tom georgia 589 yards tcu 188 i i guess my my initial thought here is defensively we said on today's show we said on on thursday's kind of longer preview one of the early keys we would look for is would tcu's tackles hold up against the edge rushers of georgia because georgia's edge rushers are not great Mm. by typical georgia standards or typical natty standards and if so if, they, if Georgia could get pressure with those guys, it was probably night-night TCU because Georgia would not allow explosive plays. And they allowed 
Uh, well, off the top of my head, one. I'm trying to think, do they have any other explosive pass plays really in this ballgame? Uh, trying to think. There was obviously there was the big sixty-yard play to uh, Davis that helped set up that touchdown. But other than that, they had a twenty-three-yard completion to Darius Davis, and that the was other explosive. Time, right? Yeah, that was yeah the the third quarter with two minutes left, and then there was play one seventy-six in which Max Duggan hooked up with Blair Conright for a big fifteen-yard gain. I mean that was. That was he and George executed the perfection. They got enough mm-hmm. pressure without a ton of blitz and uh, kept Duggan in the pocket. They didn't like explosives. They tackled well. They did the same damn thing they did to Tennessee. The only difference is they didn't call off the dogs. They just kept going in the second half. Like this is the first half of this game was a lot like the Tennessee game, except Georgia just kind of sat on the ball for the entire second half. They didn't do that in the title games. They had nothing to sit for. Like, there's no games left. There's nothing to keep off tape going forward. This was just complete and utter domination. You're right. Like, they were able to get the pressure. They were dropping eight. They were getting pressure on Duggan. And I tweeted it at the time. Like, we talked about the edge. I thought the worst omen was on the very first snap of the game. First of all, there was the false start by TCU. But Georgia also false started on its very first offensive snap of the game. But Jalen Carter, on the first snap of the game, pushed his man about six yards into the backfield and forced Duggan to kind of like leap to the side and make a terrible throw. That, to me, seeing that on the very first snap, I was like, that is not a good omen for TCU's offensive line tonight. If the one guy that they have been talking about all week about, we've got to get, we've got to take care of this guy, we've got to take care of this guy, and then he does that on the first play, I was like, they're not going to be blocking these guys tonight. Yeah, I, I, I hung out with a coach last night here at, at convention, and, and, and I asked him, because he had actually visited Georgia before, Right. And, you know, like all these coaches in the offseason or in spring, they go visit other programs to learn and they all crib off each other. Right. Hey, I like your offense or I like your defense or, hey, I want to learn how you structure practice. I was like, what did you learn from Georgia? And he said, honestly, I learned that we cannot do what Georgia does because Georgia hits in practice a lot. Mm-hmm. And if they have enough depth to where they can bang each other all the time and their third or fourth stringer is probably going to play in the NFL in two years and my guy gets me beat if I got to play him. And I thought Georgia's physicality, it was just different, man. And they just play at a different speed than most teams out there. And it was possible for Georgia to lose this game, but I mean, they never let Stetson Bennett throw the game away. I thought he played very well with his arm and with his legs. Shout out, early listener gang. Thursday cashed. I think he also cashed the overall, didn't he, if you mm-hmm. bet it today? Oh, yeah. Uh, Stetson mm-hmm. Bennett. Oh, 39 rushing yards. That is absolutely beautiful on him. But Georgia had a couple shot plays schemed up. The, the the one long touchdown where TCU blows the coverage. And if you're Kirby Smart, to your point about Jalen Carter just dominating the center on the opening snap, man, you're telling Stetson, hey, we got this thing. We we can just vice grip this deal. We're going to push around a lot of scrimmage. Don't throw the ball game away. We will not lose. You know? And they piled it on and had an all-time I mean, 65. Two seven. I think mm-hmm. that's possible, but extremely unlikely, even with the talent gap there. This was this was a beating. Yeah, if if you want to consider this a bowl game, and I don't know if it technically counts as a bowl game, but it is the largest margin of victory ever in a bowl game, if it does. Ever in FBS history. 58 yeah. points. The, the, the other biggest was 56, which has been tied a few times, including last week when LSU beat Purdue by 56. So that was a game between two teams filled with opt-outs. This was a national title game. Yeah, I mean, it was 
Okay, so it's not that TCU wasn't a good team. They no. were a good team this year. I'm going to ask you a question here because we talked about this at dinner tonight. I was with Connolly and Marcel and Hummer. Did you have TCU in your top 10 of your power ratings? No. Entering this game? Uh, actually, I had him at nine, yeah. Yeah, I had him tied with like some guys between eight and 14. Yeah. As far as power ratings. The thing is, though, we talked like let's go back four weeks ago. You have to earn your way in. You know, I'm seeing some of the chat like Bama should have been in there. Bama shouldn't have lost to the teams they lost to. Screw that. Mm-hmm. Like what you do on the field has to matter. Also, like TCU did beat the Michigan team that beat the Ohio State team that played Georgia to the wire. There is a difference, though, between having good college players and having players that, if not for a rule that they have to play three years of college, would be in the NFL. And that's what Georgia has. They have different level of – I mean, this is just obvious talk. Anybody in the chat could probably do what we're doing right now. Georgia's athletes are different. They're also really well coached. TCU did not play its A game. Georgia played its A game. That's how you get the margin of victory that is the biggest in bowl game you know, history. Yeah, I thought Pat McAfee kind of nailed it in the pregame he was talking about. He was talking about how good TCU was, and he was hyping them up and whatever for their season. Then he just goes, but the team on the other sideline is a professional football out. You know, it's a professional football team. It is not a college football team, and there's just a huge difference between them. And that's exactly what we saw play out here tonight because TCU, like its only touchdown drive was a result of a blown coverage. They didn't out-muscle Georgia. They didn't outsmart them. They just made a play. Georgia screwed up, set them up in scoring position, and then they were able to get into the end zone using you know some 11-on-11 RPO kind of run game in the red zone. After that, they did not do a damn thing because Georgia was, like I said, they were just able to drop eight in coverage pretty much the entire night. I mean, they brought some pressure. I feel like maybe they got bored. And they're like, yeah, let's let's throw up a blitz out here just to do something different. Give them a different look. But they were mostly just dropping dudes. And that's all they had to do because TCU's receivers could not get open. And you, you talked about this last week. We talked about Keely Ringo kind of struggling against Marvin Harrison Jr., who is like a route tactician. And comparing that to Quentin Johnson, Chip Patterson joining us live from the press box at SoFi Stadium. But we talked like Marvin Harrison, a route tactician was able to take advantage of Keely Ringo, who is very big and very athletic, but is not the doesn't have the oiliest hips. It's not the greatest mover. Quentin Johnston doesn't really present that. A lot of these TCU receivers are not Marvin Harrison Jr., and we saw them really not get open at all tonight against this Georgia secondary. Yeah, I, I, I mean, a couple other things I, I want to point out. I totally agree with your point there. Lassiter tonight played better, and Ohio State took advantage of Lassiter to the tune of, of a lot of yards in that ballgame as well. I liked the matchup with with Ringo for sure. Sorry about not smiling. Sorry, I'm trying to listen to Tom and focus on his point. And I, I, I'm smiling about Tom's point. I like his point. See? Awesome. All right. I also thought that Georgia had really good rush discipline in its pass rush in terms of lane discipline. They didn't, they really compressed the pocket well. Duggan actually moved within the pocket fairly well, I thought, evading like the first wave of rush. But Georgia largely compressed that thing and just squeezed it. And eventually, they, like, I don't know what they have, probably three sacks where it wasn't initial pressure. It was just kind of just grind mm-hmm. it down and eventually they had nowhere to go type thing. That was really impressive. Chip, what did you see from the press box level? Um, they had TCU's defense like spinning in circles early. I mean, perfect balance run and pass. Uh, all of TCU's back, instead of it being like TCU's defense creating confusion and um, 
you know, being able to to cause problems for Stetson Bennett in the offense. I was like, no, like, whether it was Munkin, whether it was Stetson, like he was seeing the field well. And I don't know, man, this was like, this, we spent a lot of time talking about TCU's offense against Georgia's defense. But in the first 30 minutes of this game, I was like, Georgia's offense is not going to get stopped. And they scored on 10 of 12 possessions, a 10 of 11 that aren't garbage time. And so it's just kind of like, wow, that's uh for, that's quite a statement for a program that we've definitely considered defense first for the last two years. Hey, and what was strange is like Georgia was going tempo and that was kind of how they were confusing TCU because TCU wasn't having time to get set up and figure out what was going on pre-snap. And we were talking like that's yeah, something you had that, that is like if you had that on your bingo card, that it was yeah. going to be Georgia using tempo to be able to create confusion for TCU. You would have not expected that whatsoever. Yeah, because last week it was Ohio State going tempo when Georgia wasn't expecting it that was causing problems. And I thought going in, I was like, TCU is going to have to do the same damn thing to both keep Georgia surprised and also kind of wear Jalen Carter out. But another thing Nick Saban said before the game, he says, you know, it's one thing to go tempo. He says, but if you aren't converting on third down, your tempo doesn't matter. <laughs> so he's like, and they were not converting on third down. Georgia was. Georgia was staying on the field, wearing them down, keeping them confused. And TCU just wasn't tc wasn't really doing anything tonight have y'all gotten a, have y'all gotten a chance to celebrate the stetson bennett rushing yards over oh yeah the lock of the century oh, of the yeah. week that like i i swear we must have had like 100 listeners start to celebrate with us as soon as like he was he got the 21 yard touchdown run and then we just had to worry about some sacks and then it just got more ridiculous from there it was i mean I thought they, they schemed it up so well. He had a ton of time in the pocket for the most part. And then it really was just shot play, open or not, take off, dump down. Uh, Georgia's offensive line handled TCU with ease. And I thought they were extremely well coached. I mean, Munkin is a really good coach. Just I, I, mm -hmm. I've come to appreciate him even more this year, especially because Georgia had to play without A.D. Mitchell and, and without Aaron Smith for part of the year. You know, and I, I don't know if he's going to get a head coach job or not, some guys are just better as coordinators and, and he may or may not be one of those guys, but I mean, they find ways to scheme open explosive plays and, and sets Bennett played his butt off tonight. He really played well. I thought that one throw he hit over the middle on that dig was, was perfectly thrown. He read it well. Yes. God, that was nice. Mm -hmm. And yet like some of the wide open stuff I and mean, everybody in the country is probably hitting that Todd Munkin really coaches well. And I'm, Extremely impressed by this Georgia team. Stetson Bennett, like I'm thinking we were watching, you know, maybe it's recency bias, but like watching the NFL's week 18 yesterday. Stetson Bennett's going to be playing snaps in the NFL next year. Does, do people realize, like, I don't know if he's so? going to get drafted, but he is going to be a backup somewhere next year. And he's going to come in as like an injury replacement or he's just going to come in like a late season, you know, buy kind of guy. And I'm telling you, I just, it's, there's something about him at this point where he's improved enough. It's like his size, he's never going to be considered a starter at the NFL level. But some coach is going to be happily taking him as a backup. And I think he's going to be able to carve out a career doing it. Chip, question for you. Pre-game, did you get to see these two teams physically like against each other in warm-ups like at field level? Like, yes. When did you know that, the, like, how obvious was the dust in physical like, the way they look? The problem is Georgia's got that against everybody but Alabama. Yeah. I mean, Georgia looks like that against everybody. So, I mean, that, that wasn't as, as much of a surprise. I think what was a surprise to me was, like, 
once the game actually started and TCU, which was very loose and very confident, you know, they, they had a great sort of like energy about them during warmups and they just looked lost, you know, like Mac, Max didn't play well, man. He just, he didn't play well. Right. Like, I, I don't know how else to spend that. You give obviously some credit to Georgia's defense, but this is, he's had stretches of not great play this season. And it felt like that was combining with the worst possible opponent. That looked like 2020 Max Duggan. Right, that's the problem with these like yeah. veteran quarterbacks is we've seen lows. Mm-hmm. Like we know what what it looks like when this with sample set and when you're not uh, when when you're not playing well. And, and Max Duggan didn't play well, man. Which is surprising that like TCU this year has been a team that for the most part because they're so veteran because they did such a nice job in the portal with guys who are experienced good college players, they don't beat themselves a lot. And I kind of wonder if they just got intimidated by, by Georgia's physicality and speed. Like, Georgia does have different level athletes than almost anybody else in the country. It's like Georgia, Ohio State, Bama. And you can tell me Michigan beat Ohio State, whatever. I, I got it. But, like, for about 80% of that game, Ohio State was better and the 10% of the play was those huge, huge plays. And they, Michigan deserved to win the shoe. I, I get it. But, like, if yeah, you look at athlete-wise, they do. They certainly all count. But, like, athlete-wise, they're different. I wonder if TCU got intimidated a little bit and kind of started to panic because they started blowing assignments that, for the most part, they had not blown to that level this year. I don't know. Everybody's got a plan until they get hit in the mouth, right? <laughs> yeah, and when you get hit in the mouth like 15 times, <laughs> it's, I mean, yeah, I, I think they're, I think more than anything, I don't know if it was, I, th- I think they just realized really early that they had no shot in hell. And you could just kind of see that in the body language where it's like, you know, before the game, your TCU, you've been in this spot a billion times where you fall behind early, you've gotten here. And like I talked about, like on the show this week, where I was like, so you kind of get that invincible feel like, you know, you think you can do anything. So you start this game, Georgia goes out to a bleed. Okay, fine. We're going to go back out. Oh, okay. All right. Well, no, we're still. Oh, 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 no. This, this, boys, this just is not going to happen. We've had a good year. Let's just get out of here and not get killed. I mean, they were, killed. they were punting like in the like, don't punt oh, kind of possession. Surrender punts. Yeah. 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 It was like, we, they finally went for it. Oh, was it late third quarter? They had mm-hmm. the turnover on downs where it's like, okay. We're going to go out and give it an effort, try and go get ourselves another score. But was it? I mean, outside of that one sixty-yard play, they got nothing, nothing. All right. So, Chip, first of all, go back and watch the opening of this. I feel like I did your welcome justice. It was my most okay. enthusiastic welcome I'm ever done. I hit Jordan with the perfect kill the intro video, like that. I think you'd be proud. But they limited the explosive play, and they said, "TC, you you will." You will not beat us underneath consistently enough, and we will own line of scrimmage and kind of trash compactor Max Duggan. I totally. I mean, it just did TCU ever get back over the top of those guys? No. Not not even complete the ball, but like just to to have an attempt at it. No? They they had Quentin Johnston wide open, and then Max missed the throw and ended up being the interception. Like so, there was a play that was schemed up for it to be the home run ball. And I know that Max was under pressure and a little bit off his spot. It wasn't the best release on the play, but like, like look at that was another one where it's like you look at it from above and you're like, there it is, that there, right there, there's the touchdown that you had schemed up that you perfectly set up and it didn't convert, man. Oof. So George, George ain't losing again until November of 2023, right? Was it raining in the press box? 
No, it was raining in the stadium, though. Yeah, I know. I'm just trying to figure out if they were able to get it in there. Yeah, that you bring up a good point, though, because that's something I kind of wanted to spin forward, because honestly, I don't know how much more we could say about this actual game other than Georgia killed TCU. Is there any position we did not talk about a Georgia whip their butt physically yet? Because like, we should probably cover that. <laughs> um, let's see. The offensive line dominated them. The quarterback dominated them. They didn't run the ball super well in the second half, I guess. I don't know. Um, yeah, I, that's something Kirby's going to have to work on. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. You ready for this? Yeah. If is the most original and heartfelt movie in years. Magic like this comes around once in a lifetime. This Friday, experience it with your whole family. Can we do it again? If ready PG. But yeah, like you mentioned, Chip, like if you look at Georgia's schedule next year, when does this team lose again? That's a bit, but I'll say this. 2024. <laughs> I mean, like this is their schedule. Let me pull it up. I should have had already, but it is uh it is not what you would call the most robust kind of schedule. Like this year, at least they had like the non-con against Oregon. They had some, you know, like they had that kind of non-conference schedule. Next year's non-conference. All right. They start the season with a big game against UT Martin, the Skyhawks. It's going to be a battle. They follow that up with Ball State before they get South Carolina at home in their SEC opener. Then it's, and then it's UAB, UAB at home. Uh huh. So they're going to be four and Road trip to Auburn. I mean, UT Martin. So, like you were switching out Oregon for UAB. Yeah. Like that is your most quality non-conference opponent that you're doing here. And the Tennessee game is swapped with Auburn. So you've got Auburn in late September. Tennessee's in November. I mean the. The potential is shaping up that when the Georgia-Tennessee game arrives, the Georgia Bulldogs are 82-10 and 10 since the beginning of the 2017 season. I'll repeat that again, 82-10. and 10. It is likely that at that point they would have won 39 of the last 40 college football games. Who's their West I mean? draw next year? Their, their West draw is Ole Miss... And Auburn. Auburn. And that's it. Yeah. So, and their only road games are Auburn, Vandy, Tennessee, and Georgia Tech. So, Tennessee will be tough on the road. Auburn's a rivalry game. Who knows? But, oh, so this is one of the years where the cocktail party counts as their road game. Uh huh. So, they get four home SEC games in Athens. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They're also like, with all due respect to Stetson, who has turned into a very good college quarterback, he's not their best player or really no. anywhere close to it. And so they are not sort of one of these teams like when, when Clemson lost Trevor, you're like, oh, my God, that could be a huge loss for them. I mean, I, I think Carson Beck is probably their starter next year. He's a guy that's been in the system for four years. He's in the same recruiting class as Jeff Sims. He's stayed there. Georgia likes him from what I hear. That's the thing that makes this Georgia team so scary going forward and their chance to have the first three-peat I think ever, or certainly like since World War II. I, oh, I looked it's at this. Minnesota, yeah. Shot. 
I'm working on the three-peat story right now. At some point, looks like Sonny Dykes is, yeah, I can still see Sonny Dykes' little red face right now. He's, he's up there at the podium. Once he's gone, I'm going to run down there, see if I can talk to Carson Beck and some of these other young bucks because A.D. Mitchell, sophomore, Marius Mims, sophomore, Brock Bowers, sophomore. Like, is A.D. Mitchell going to stay on the team? Like, like I know other, other other coaches think they like like they're they're trying to get Mitchell in the portal if he jumps in. Because well, Aaron Jordan Smith is, is a redshirt sophomore. And, is he going to jump? Yeah. Like you know, Lad McConkey, redshirt sophomore. Um, like defense. Aaron side. Smith running a stupid good time at the combine. Like for prop betting, by the way, if Aaron Smith's in the combine, I'm betting Aaron Smith to be the fastest guy. Javon Bullard, who you picked on, but who had a pretty good performance here. He's a sophomore. Uh, Laster, he's a sophomore. Malachi Starks, freshman. London, sophomore. Jalen Walker, freshman. Javon Dumas Johnson, sophomore. Michael Williams, freshman. Like, so they're screwed. What we're saying is Georgia is screwed. Everybody, this is. I hope you enjoyed tonight because it's never going to happen again. You might not win another game for five years. It's incredible. I'm. Uh, I, I am in awe of the dominance, and it. I think that the again. I feel like winning like this is what leads to the fun conversations. Like we aren't talking three peat if this is thirty four twenty seven, a back and forth game, or like a forty five forty two. But when they just made it so clear from the very beginning, and when the twos came in, they were still getting sacks, and when the threes came in, they were still getting sacks. I mean, did they show on TV the curtain calls that Kirby was doing yes, for all yeah. of his players? Yes. Like, yes, that's when Bennett got a curtain call. But then Jalen Carter got a curtain call. Mm-hmm. And then, like, a bunch of senior offensive linemen walked off, like, arm in arm together. I mean, it was, it was a coronation in here. It's Bananas. Like in high school. Oh, um, I don't know if you guys have checked out our YouTube short section, but you really should on Cover 3. Uh, I just really enjoyed shooting that. Georgia is bringing in three of the top five off-ball linebacker recruits in the country, including a kid who at 225 pounds hit 23 mile an hour in a game this year with wearing one of those uh, catapult, like, Manzier thing, the, the, the little, like, chest strap yes. deal. You, you know, it looks like, like, like oh, a no. man bra thing, like, yeah, from yeah. Seinfeld. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they're going to be just fine. And, I mean, they're – we talked about, like, when was the year to get to get somebody. And how Georgia had to cash it in last year, and they did. They handled business, though, this year. Like, this year, if you look back at it, I don't think it's wrong to think that Vegas had it right that Bama and Ohio State should have been the favorites in the year. They had the NFL quarterbacks. Like, the guys are definitely, like, high picks. And Georgia said, we don't care. Now, Bama screwed around and wasted Bryce Young. Georgia had to face Ohio State. They beat him. You know, like, like Kirby Smart deserves a ton of credit for winning the Natty with this team like this is the most resounding natty win margin wise ever Mm -hmm. but i don't think we rank this georgia team like it doesn't go down there with like the very very best teams of all time i don't think right just because of who they had to play and the margins they won by i don't even think they're as good as last year's georgia team correct i think last year's georgia team probably beats them but this is i think this deserves a ton of credit for how they played and how they managed to beat ohio state with who they have and how old the guys they have are so Stetson's gone, Bryce is gone, Stroud is gone. We don't really know who the quarterbacks for these teams will be just yet. You know, we the transfer portal is still open, what, for another eight days? Um which who's favorite next year? Who's who's your favorite to win the natty in twenty twenty three? It's Georgia by far. 
Chip? Georgia. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like I, I don't want to feel like I'm getting caught in recency bias, but it's just it's hard to see how well this team played tonight. Chip, you mentioned the run. We mentioned their schedule next year. It's like what kind of odds would you need to get to bet on Georgia missing the college football playoff? That's the thing is like, like ultimately – and, and it's what's honestly made this more impressive to me. Like when Alabama went back to back, that was BCS era. Mm-hmm. When Nebraska went back to back, we were not even, you know, in the BCS era. The USC was the BCS era, but they've won back to back in the playoff era when you need to win another game against a national championship contender. Mm-hmm. So, like, the three peat is a really fun talking point. I would not bet on the three peat because it is so difficult to make the college football playoff and then win two games against other college football playoff teams. But the yes, no on Georgia making it to the college football playoff, given what they have back in the schedule, is going to be incredibly lopsided because it should be automatic. Like Georgia will be in the college football playoff next year too. Whether they can string together another two wins, who knows? The margins against Ohio State clearly were very, very thin but um, they're, they'll be in the playoff again. Yeah, especially because, like, if you think next year, like, and I don't want to – this is just speculative, but, like, if USC figures things out on the defensive side of the football, look at how close the Trojans got to the college football playoff this year. Look at what they have at quarterback. Look at some of the skill position talent that they have. So, like, next year, if Georgia's getting back to the college football playoff, they're probably going to be going up against a trio that looks very similar to Alabama, Ohio State, USC. It's going to be hard for any one of those teams to win two games against each other. Yeah. So, I mean, the odds for them to not make the playoff. If Michigan, I mean, it's going to be, they're probably like minus 350 to make the playoff. Because, like, Like you you have to affect, you won't get four to one on them missing, but like, you'll probably get three to one on them missing if you want to bet the, if you want to bet the no. I mean, you have to consider, too, like now that they've won back-to-back titles in their SEC, like how many games do they have to lose before they don't get out of anyway, So we've got over 1,800 people watching, which we really, really appreciate. We hope you're enjoying the show. We hope you've hit the like button. And more than anything, subscribe, because if you are enjoying the show, just because tonight's the last game of the season does not mean this is the last time we will be getting together to talk about this Georgia team or any team in the country. We will be here all off season live three times a week. So subscribe, make sure that way you will get notifications every time we go live and you can catch our new shows, but back to the, to the topic at hand, like I would think five to one minimum for me to bet on Georgia missing the net, the, the playoff next year. Because they're not quarterback reliant. Right. That's the, the big thing. Like, like if you're if you're modeling this, you know, you have to basically kind of build in like some dynamic uncertainty based on quarterback injury. And I'm gonna get away from the nerddom here, but like basically that means you have to like run some of your systems with what happens if they lose the quarterback. You know, what happens if Bama lost Bryce? What happens if Ohio State lost Stroud to an injury in the season? If Jordan loses Carson Beck, they've got dudes behind him. And I'm not saying that they're as good or I'm not even know if Carson's going to be good. I think he probably will be. But because they're so not quarterback reliant, and yes, I get Stetson's a good college player. I, I, I get it. But like he's not a you know generational talent. He's not a first-round type pick. They would still win. Like I thought about this tonight. How many teams would have won, would have won the Natty tonight or would have won this game tonight for them? How many only Ohio State. Like only if you gave Ohio State another shot at it. 
Right. No, I guess what I'm saying is like they can win a lot of games even without their starting quarterback. So that that's one of the reasons their price is so good. It's just hard to beat them. And I don't know. They don't play anybody next year. I think that models is having like the talent to beat them. Like AM best case scenario is still really good. Now that's a long way off. LSU best case scenario is not on the schedule until they get to the to the SC title game. Bama is not on the schedule next year. Like is Ole Miss really knocking these guys off? No, nah, LSU might, but you're not gonna see them until the title. You don't play right. That's what I'm saying. Like yeah. so and then they're gonna get the major benefit of the doubt because they are the back to back defending champs. Like a one loss non champ Georgia has a decent shot to go. Now, they're not locks. I mean, if, if you get, you know, undefeated Texas, undefeated Michigan, undefeated like Clemson or Florida State or something like that, you know, and then undefeated Utah, which, by the way, Rising and, and Keithy are coming back now. That's huge for them. Mm-hmm. But the benefit of the doubt, I think, to Tom's point, really increases their odds that they at least get back. And they're damn good in this tournament. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's they could be a two loss. I'll actually know, you know what, given their schedule, they can't be a two loss team and still get to the yeah, playoff next year. schedule. But it's just there. like, I could see them screwing up once, but I don't see them screwing up twice. It's just, it depends on who you screw up against and is it in the sec championship, but looking at that schedule and looking at the rest of the sec East. And I know Jordan, you're here and we appreciate you sticking around late. It's way past your bedtime. You're only 16 years old, but like no offense to Tennessee or anybody else in that division. The gap between Georgia and the rest of that division is so wide that there is no reasonable way to think that any of them can close it enough in one offseason to really be competing with this team for the SEC East next year. Yes. I mean, <laughs> no, no one's going to finish with a better record in conference play than Georgia. So, so where, okay, well, we talked a lot about Georgia. <laughs> what do the odds have to be for you to bet TCU to win the Big 12 again next year, bud? It was 28 to 1 this year. Where are you going next year? Are we assuming that they are in a Big 12 that has Texas and Oklahoma? Or do we think that Texas and Oklahoma are going to get out in time to be in the in, in the SEC this year? I you're talking you're, you're talking about a two year early exit right now, right yeah, now, yeah. because next year has Texas and Oklahoma no matter what. Yeah, I think so. I don't think they're getting out in time yeah, for like, next year. I'm modeling it with Texas and Oklahoma playing this fall, Correct. this coming fall in in the Big Twelve. I mean, look, Kansas State should probably still be better. Um, Texas will be favored over them. Obviously, they beat Texas this year, but like. Texas in the power ratings is pretty damn good. Oklahoma State looks like an absolute dumpster fire. I think Texas Tech will be pretty damn good. Kansas or State you don't, think, be- you don't think Alan Bowman's going to save Oklahoma State? Um, yeah, they got they got like real problems there, and and Gundy's buyout's like twenty three million, so that's probably not going to get solved anytime soon. But they lost like six or seven starters to the transfer mm-hmm. portal. That's just that's kind of a red flag. I'm going to mm-hmm. raise that. Oklahoma, I. I think they'll be good. I think they have some good stuff going on there. So I don't know if you give me like 16 to one or something like that. Like they lose a lot of good players off this team and they're still really well coached, but seven to one in one score games is still that that's luck. Let's call it what it is. So who's your big 12 favorite then? (laughs) Texas. Chip. Kansas State. Really? 
Okay. I don't hate it. I don't know if I agree with it. Um, it should be Texas, but I can't logically in my brain tell myself, oh, I'm going to bet Texas to do something good. So I'll go Oklahoma. Screw it. I think they're going to yeah, take a step say, forward. Like, Oklahoma was the other non-Texas pick that you're going to have right now. And honestly, I'm not going to put TCU lower than fourth. Oh, no. It's it's so dependent, I think, if you pick Texas on the belief that yours was more hurt than Texas told us. <laughs> because, like, there is certainly a scenario in which he actually was more hurt than they let on. He comes out and just crushes everybody. And Texas, which should be much better along the offensive line because they got the young pups that we talked about last signing day, not this one, but, you know, 14 months ago. You know, and they bully everybody. Yours is all day to throw. Remember, Isaiah Nayor's coming back. He was one of the top transfer portal kids who got hurt oh, preseason. Yeah, and I also got Whitting, you know, uh, Jordan Whittington coming back. You know, Worthy is still there. That's why I think it's Texas, but I mean, I certainly am willing to be wrong on that. They also just got Catalan today from Arkansas, the transfer. Also, if yours isn't like if the, if yours wasn't hurt this year, and that's just who he is, you've got Arch Manning. And I mean, I know there's no such thing as a sure thing, but like the Manning family bloodline has proven to be pretty strong at like producing mm. quarterbacks and i feel like he's probably had good coaching throughout his life so i feel like there's a very high floor there at a minimum so yeah i again i think texas better with the big 12 i just can't bet on it i can't my brain will not let me place that bet yeah i'm being totally unfair i'm just saying like no i'm, I'm not going to be out there like so i guess to answer your earlier question is should texas be the favorite yes yes like should the, the power rating is going to say yes, 100%. But will I pick Texas? Number one in my Big 12 projected order of finish, absolutely not. Okay. Chip thinks Texas will be in the playoff. There we go. Put it to the bank. <laughs> I do want to give some love to Tennessee, though, because they got some guys. Oh, you're giving love to Tennessee? Hard. All right, now it's definitely time for me to go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, Georgia's locker room's open now. I'm going to run All down right. there. In, later. Right. Okay. See, See you, Chip. Uh, so for our diehards, and I assume you got to be a pretty diehard to be watching us. At uh, is my clock right or done? Is it eleven forty six? It is eleven forty six Eastern time. It second half flew. Yeah, man, it really that was did. the one blessing uh, of that game. <laughs> so today, Tennessee got got uh, Dante Thornton from Oregon. They got John Campbell, the tackle from Miami, and they also got um, Omar Norman Lott, the D lineman from Arizona State. So. I'd like to use that as a bit of a jumping off point to talk blue chip ratio and transfer portal and 60 second little rundown here. I do think the transfer portal is important and I think you can make your team a lot better with it. But if you, and I think in many cases you could probably build a team out of the transfer portal, but if you want to build a team that wins the title, I'm still strongly committed to the idea that for the most part, you need to build that out of the high school ranks because the high school kids do have higher ceilings than the portal kids. The portal kids have more certainty, but they have less of that true, you know, freakazoid upside, right? And the kids you sign out of high school, when you realize they're probably hits, you either old school bag them, right? Or now you new school NIL bag them. So they never actually hit the portal. And I thought we saw that tonight, the difference in quality of player between your high school kids when you were a super elite recruiter who hit and your portal kids who hit. You're just not seeing a lot of first-rounders, non-quarterback, come out of the portal 
for a reason. So do I think we'll probably see national title teams that the previous year took six or seven kids in the portal? I do at some point because they're, they're great to plug holes. Yeah. If half of your roster comes from the portal, I think you got real problems when you go face a Georgia, a Bama, or an Ohio State. Those guys are just different level of athletes, and you cannot get their quality of player out of the portal. It has to come from dominating the high school ranks. That's where the true upside guys come from. Yeah, That's my TED Talk. I think like the only teams that will be able to get that kind of caliber of transfer are the teams that already have that caliber of player. And I think yes. you're, I, I think you're right. Like over the long term, there will be teams with a lot of transfers who have a successful season, but by and large, the portal will be kind of like free agency in the NFL where you want to use it to fix some weak spots, but you do not want to build the core of your team around it on an annual basis because you're just relying too much on variance, which is the one thing like Michigan state last year, like, they hit home runs on all those transfers and they had the huge season. And it's like, okay, do it again. And we saw what happened. Michigan State tried to do it again. They tried to build pretty much their entire roster through the portal and they didn't even get to a bowl game. And I think that that is just going to be very, very difficult for teams to do every season. So Tony Williams said, I, I disagree. You only need to have that talent for one year. But Tony, this is in the chat. I'm just kind of engaging with listeners here, I guess. The point is, like, sometimes they're, you know, sometimes I'll use Florida State as an example. Sometimes there's a Jermaine Johnson in the portal. Sometimes they're not. Like, mm-hmm. there's, it's like, hey, go get him. What if he doesn't exist? You know, like talking to these coaches at, at, at the convention, like, hey, you know any tackles? I was like, where do you think these tackles are hiding? They're like the biggest people on earth. They're not just <laughs> hiding out there. They ain't there, buddy. Like, yeah, there's like two dudes that these top kids maybe want. Right. You know, so, yeah, I, I agree with you. Like, the people, the schools that probably get those kids that are super elite out of the portal, and there's a limited number. Like, there's a lot of really good. I think there's a very limited amount of like really great, except for maybe quarterback, and that's something we can talk about. We'll probably have that as a like a whole segment about how teams pick quarterbacks. They got some fun anecdotes, but then we can talk about. I agree with you. It's probably going to be like if there's a kid out there like that, it's usually Georgia getting them. Yeah, like an elite kid's not entering the portal to go to like you know, some mid-tier power five school. He's leaving because there's a team he can win a national title at that wants him. That's the only reason he's there. There's somebody who has a ton of money, and usually the school that has a boatload of money to spend is the same school that spends it on high schoolers and lands those kids. Yeah. But I will, like, the counter to this is if if your goal is to win a conference title and your conference is not the SEC and not the Big Ten, I think you can portal your way to it. Like you can portal your way to the new Big 12 title. Nobody in the new Big 12 recruits at a national championship level or anywhere close to it, to be honest. You could probably do it in the Pac-12 once USC is gone. You could do it in the ACC, I think, unless Miami sustains this and shows massive improvement. They're they're the only well, I guess Clemson too is recruiting at the high school level like that. Florida State probably gets there this year, by the way. So the ACC may not be a league you can win going forward in the portal if those guys are going to recruit like that. But, you know, maybe you see some really good portal work in the Big 12 and the Pac-12 and you can win, you know, win the conference like that. But if your goal is to be like a coach that makes a bowl game at a school that's hard to win at, portal, 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 man. Just be like Mario yeah, sure. just going down the tube all the time. Like, that's a great way to do it. It's just, this is my only regret, but it's like, you're not going to win the t- like the biggest prize because those dudes that play on that field they're not really in 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 the portal. Yeah, no, I don't know how many times I can say the word portal tonight. Portal, portal, <laughs> portal, 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 portal. 
portal potty. Um, no, it's like, were you scared at all for your blue chip ratio? <laughs> at any point? No, I, I wasn't real. Like I was not as scared as I was in like, um, the Oregon year had me a little bit because mm-hmm. it was Ohio state's third string quarterback against Mariota. That one, that one had me a little scared. And I figured if it's going to go down, I always put that little paragraph in, like, this will get busted at some point. It probably happens with, like, a, a super elite quarterback. I'm like, well, they got the Heisman winner. That's pretty good. Uh, this year, I was not. I, I was really going to be shocked if TCU won the game just because I, I'm at all these recruiting camps. I didn't know if Georgia was going to win by huge, but I just figured over 60 minutes, just the, the bodies that Georgia recruits are just, they look different. They're just mm-hmm. a different looking, you know, type thing. Uh, I say like in game, Clemson round one against Bama scared me the most, and that took a Nick Saban onside kick to save my bacon there. And somebody will bust the blue chip ratio at some point. It'll be, but I don't think it's Illinois like next season. Let's go. <laughs> I don't think it'll be a twenty three percent team though, like TCU. I think it'll be like a team that is forty eight percent has a super good quarterback that's going to be like a first round pick and did a couple good you know good work in the portal. They stayed super healthy. That's probably the recipe, not 23%. Oh, yeah, that, that's always going to be the secret sauce. You get an elite quarterback, you could cover up a whole lot of holes with him. How, uh, are you pissed if you're Michigan tonight that, that you lost the playoff? No, I'm relieved. You lost by 60. Oh, I'm relieved. You the embarrassment of <laughs> because they probably would. I mean, I don't think they beat me by 58 or whatever, but whew, I don't think Michigan's beaten that team either. I, that's like, I feel like we went back to the start of the show, like, People who are gonna be like Alabama should have been in it over TCU. It's like, yeah, well, there's power ratings and there's earning the spot. TCU earned the spot, Alabama didn't. But of the four teams that did get spots, I do I think we all agreed Ohio State was going to be the toughest challenge for Georgia. And I think that's why so many people felt last week like that's the title game. Whoever wins that game has a very good shot of winning the national title. And that's kind of how it played. Like I think Michigan gives Georgia a better game tonight, but we saw what happened to Michigan last year against Georgia in a semifinal. Didn't exactly go well for them. And I think this year's Michigan team is better. And I think this year's Georgia team is slightly worse. Still pretty damn good. But I just, I don't think the outcome's any different now. Of course, they'd rather have had the shot at it, but I just don't think it would have changed anything. Makes sense. What else do we need to cover tonight? I think we'll take one more topic from the, or, well, Tom, do you have anything else we need to cover? I just want to say congratulations to Georgia on winning the national title, but I wanted to honor my own personal national champion tonight with, by wearing my Ohio shirt. They are Tom Fernelli's 2022 national champion with all the money that they won for me this year. Ohio is a wagon. I appreciate it. I love you. Thank you forever. Is it back? Hmm? Is, is, is Kirk's work back? Like, is, is, is he's on the portal? I mean, I don't know. I hope so. I mean, I think all the value will be gone if he is, but I'm just, he's a good player and he's fun to watch. I mean, that's a huge get, like, to have a player of that caliber and have him come back to Ohio if that's the, the case. And I, as far as I know, Alabama still needs a QB, right? <laughs> Maybe Cordis Rourke's playing at Tuscaloosa next year. Uh, yeah, that's, that's fair, especially after, uh, I mean, Pratt, come, uh, this was a, a topic of conversation. Like Pratt going back to Tulane mm-hmm. and Frank Harris going back to UTSA. Oh, it killed. And certain guys, yeah, certain guys like not having grades at all and having to stick back to their original schools or at least have to wait. The quarterback transfer market this year on its head. And some teams, I think, were like, oh, damn, we got to go down to our plan, plan F 
And that's, I mean, that's why, like, you look at you look at the guys who were in the portal, and it's like Hudson Card ending up at Purdue is like that's not like if 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 you just feel like if teams like Alabama didn't have other plans that fell through, Hudson Card's not ending up in West Lafayette. Luke Altmaier's not ending up in Champaign. And some of the guys who just went places that you'd think they maybe had could have had higher targets, higher value targets in mind, just don't end up there. That is kind of going back to the portal again. That's kind of the fun roulette situation with the transfer portal, especially at the quarterback position, because you might have your eye on a guy and then you might not get him. I think that that's totally it. So one other thing I think just on the transfer stuff and how it's going to impact the sport, I'm interested in this second window, right? Because typically the second window is guys who lost jobs. I think for the most part, it will be guys who lost jobs, and it will probably be a couple guys who saw their buddies get big bags mm-hmm. and say, all right, like it's time for me to go get mine and at least enter to try to force their current school to pay or, or you know maybe they're willing to go somewhere at that point. But I, I don't know. If you're a school waiting on the second wave, it may really pay off for you or it may totally blow up in your face. I think if you're a school that attacked it early, like you know, Tom, obviously Illinois, and went out there and did. Um, did you guys get East Carolina Center? Yes, we did. Avery Jones. There, uh, there's there's people in in in, in the AAC who thought he was a really good player. I, yeah, no, I, I I know some coaches who felt he was a very good player, <laughs> and we're happy to get him on the team. I, I bet you do. <laughs> oh gosh. Um. So, God, the pick six guys stay on till one thirty in the morning. Well, I mean. They're just talking about their gambling losses for a few hours. And then Ryan Wilson is talking about how Will Levis is the best QB in the draft and Anthony Richardson's number two. You know, that's just how they roll over there. I, man, maybe we need to like get some gambling losses. But to be fair, oh, like, I actually did have one. I, but my, my McConkey unders look, look just like pure dumbassery on my part. That, that was terrible. My Stetson interception prop did not come through for me tonight. I just, I went back to that Mississippi State game against the three three five defense. He threw two picks. I was like, all right, we might see some similar mistakes tonight, boys. But no, it did not happen. I will say you that. You had to well, know that. Could you parlay that? Like in some of these prop builders, you could parlay like Stetson oh, pick with game, over. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I didn't try. I hate those same. I mean, just a tip. You know, but I know you need the advice. But just a tip for all you gamblers out there. If every single commercial for a sports book is selling you on a parlay, there's a reason they want you to bet those. Just just consider that a little bit. Yeah. Also, I took live under 70 in this game and it finished 72. So that was pretty annoying. Um, that That's one I would I would actually take again, to be honest. Um, I didn't like TCU. What they went for it. And they had turnover on downs to end the third quarter, I get. But also, like, the one in the fourth quarter there from their own 19 when you're down like a million. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, that's a little. Yeah, when Kirby started pulling everybody because the game had not gone over yet, I was like, oh, God, no. No, they're going to do it. They're going to sit on this for the last 13 minutes of this game. But thankfully, TCU couldn't even stop the backups tonight. <laughs> That was uh, that was disappointing. Um, but I feel like you got to see all these Georgia kids who are young. The, the, the Branson Robinson kid, just the thighs are like, mm-hmm. like oil barrels and just run everybody over. And Bear Alexander, I thought, had you know a really nice showing in his center. Michael Williams is going to be a total freak. I mean, they're they got dudes coming. It, 
I mean, and now we got to think like, what are the odds Kirby Smart doesn't get the three national titles in his career? Very low, very low. He's going to get a third, whether it's next year, the year after, the year after that, he's going to get it. Especially because, I mean, I know South Dakota State just won the national title, so North Dakota State has not won 10 of the last 12, but we've seen the expanded playoff makes it more difficult for teams that aren't the cream of the crop to win national titles. So Mm -hmm. Georgia is going to be in the playoff every year, and you're going to have to beat it every single year. Yeah, that's going to be difficult. Extremely Mm -hmm. difficult. Uh, I think we're... Oh, the, uh, the chat suggests Kirby will get to six. Well, that's why I said, what are the odds he doesn't get to three guys? Because they feel like we feel like there's a really good chance he's going to get three and maybe four or five, you know? Um, I mean, I, I just, I think this is, I don't think it's crazy to say that this is the premier program for the next few years. Like maybe they're not going to win the title every single year, but they are going to be in contention every single year. And they're probably going to, they might lose a championship game but they're going to be getting to them with regularity. Especially if they get Rayola. Yeah. They're, is that, they're in is there, Rayola now. Yeah, okay. Well, mm-hmm. good luck, everybody. <laughs> See you next year when we're talking about yeah. the dynasty. We're going to hit the fast-forward button here to 2027. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, this is... Good luck, what, world. What... What's that? What's that Joe Buck meme? Where it's like, uh, you know, the, uh, the top of the forty seventh, <laughs> the sun, blow, the sun eats the earth alive, and he's like, yes. It's like we're we're here in Jerry World, you know, Georgia B team is now defeating wherever, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh my gosh, um, that will be there. Like this is what you wanted. This is what everybody wanted. Do we have we have our schedule for next week or for the rest of the week? Right, we're doing. A, are we doing a Wednesday show? believe so okay i think i'm traveling for that one on thursday we will unveil our way too early top 25s i had to turn in mine for 24 7 sports and i'm already changing it because in talking to a few of these coaches i feel like i was an idiot just 48 hours ago so uh have you started on yours because this is really tough i feel great yeah, about I my ha- top like one. I have started on my number one will be Georgia. Okay. <laughs> and we'll figure out two to 25 later this week. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I'm going to have three Big Ten teams in the top 10, I think. <laughs> and then I don't know if I should have a fourth Big Ten team. I probably should somewhere in the top 25. I, th- I mean, <laughs> yeah, you could just whoever you think is going to win the West. And then you have Penn State, Michigan, Ohio State. So Illinois, Penn State, Michigan, Ohio State. There you go. Bang, bang, bang. What about Iowa? Uh, I mean, well, I don't know if we could talk about this on the show, but I feel like we've talked about it a little bit. There's going to be changes. Changes that are coming. The winds are blowing. Be. Winds are blowing. We'll see. We'll see. 12. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, I might have four. Am I team here? I think I have four pack. Uh, five. I think I have five Pac-12 teams at the top. Yeah, I, I like the Pac-12 is going to be the – it's going to be a lot like this year where they're going to have like five teams in the top 20 come November, and then they'll only yeah. have like two that survive. But it's going to be a very fun league because they are – Oh, no, I have six. Lot, they've got a lot of good quarterbacks, man. 
And they're gonna, yeah. you know, not they're gonna beat each other up, not in the SEC sense, but they're going to beat each other up and knock people out. But there's gonna be a lot of really good, fun teams in that conference next year. Is Harbaugh staying or going at Michigan impact where you're gonna have Michigan? Well, I think you he's have staying. A, you have a Michigan so. stays or, or Harbaugh stays, Harbaugh goes different rankings that you're ready yes. to, to. Oh yeah, for sure. Up. Like I think you have to adjust if Harbaugh leaves because I mean. No disrespect to Michigan, which is, you know, one of the winningest programs ever. It might still be. I don't know. I mean, do we count vacated wins, whatever? I don't know. But it's pretty clear that before Harbaugh showed up, the program was not in the greatest shape. Now, obviously, I think there's a much better foundation in place for the new guy to withhold, uphold. But I think Harbaugh is a plus value coach on game day. And during the week and preparation for it, I think he's a plus value. I think he's kind of shown that at every stop of his career at both the collegiate and pro level. And I don't know, depending on who would replace him, that you could just count on that person maintaining that. I think that's fair. Jordan's probably like, please, mercifully. Hey, we made it to midnight. Um, Jordan's passed out. (laughs) Is Jordan? I'm going to just knock on Jordan. Are you... uh... Jordan, let us know in the chat if you're still alive. <laughs> guys, really appreciate everybody watching this year. It's, it's been an awesome year. We, 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 we set records, and you guys allow us to continue to do the show as often as we do and maybe do even more of the show. And um, I don't know, like maybe someday we'll have like a listener appreciation event. I don't know. That's just totally not on the script here. I just thought I'd throw it out. Appreciate you guys. We love you all. Hello everyone, it's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search... The rest is football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meets.